to the Save Girl Podcast. This is your host, Saj, with my co-host, Christy. Join us as we tackle the unspoken, the taboo, and the tough conversations for the modern Christian woman. What's up, Save Girl? We are so glad that you are back joining us for another episode of the Save Girl Podcast. And today we are talking about brides and not in the way that you would think. So not wedding vibes. Of course, a lot of us are hearing wedding bells in 2022, but we're talking more specifically the broken bride. And this conversation is going to be the church. The Bible references the church as the bride of Christ. And we're going to discuss church hurt and why the church leaves so many people stranded. Its position is definitely meant to be the body, yet there's so many broken parts and broken spaces within the church today. And we're just going to discuss that and really bring a lot of light to some dark areas. Yes, there's been a lot of scandals lately, Sash, and it's such a disappointment because that means that there's a lot of people leaving the church because of all the drama that's been going on within the church. And the church is supposed to be a hospital for sick people, but it's been leaving more victims and it's been healing people. So, Oh yeah. And unfortunately, like you said, people are leaving the church, but that also means that they choose to leave God. And that's the consequence when the church is out of order. Yeah. And I can definitely vouch for that because if you heard my testimony, I spoke about church hurt. And that was one of the main reasons I walked away for a while from God because people were so evil to me in the church. And what these people are supposed to be your family and they're far from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the, the scandals, the, it's such a huge part of church hurt because as members of the body, you look up to these leaders and to these men and women of God as people who you can trust with your soul. You can trust to guide your steps. You can trust for marital advice. You can trust for advice for your family, for your children. These people write books. They plant churches. They are the authors of some best-selling novels and conferences that happen yearly. There's so many things that these leaders have their hands in. And then once a scandal comes out, it immediately discredits all the work that has been put in place and all the souls that have been freed. And unfortunately, with the world we live in, cancel culture just undoes everything that they have done. It gives me like Bill Cosby vibes, right? Bill Cosby got convicted of all this stuff. And these leaders, they have brought people to Christ. They have baptized thousands of people. They have helped marriages survive. I'm sure some of these leaders have counseled marriages that have went from being broken to thriving. But yet when they hit the press with a scandal, all of that comes into question and it leaves a blemish on the the church that is supposed to be wrinkle-free, right? That's what the word says. It's so sad. I have heard so many people who I've testified to being like, hey, why don't you want to come to church? They're like, because of all the scandals, it's better to be outside the church. At least I know the devils I'm dealing with than the devils within the church, which I don't know who I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And that's the sad reality of it all. 
Oh yeah, and that point exactly because it makes people question, well, is God even real? How are these people supposed to be devout Christians, right? The biggest servants among us all, and yet they're sinning in private. They're living a life full of sin in private. And it's like, wow, is this God you preach about even real? Because you're telling us to to honor him and to serve him and to sacrifice. And yet behind closed doors, you're abusing women, abusing children, addicted to drugs, having affairs, all these things. And it's, wow, how can you be living this life? Because the Bible is clear. You can't serve two masters. You either love one or hate the other, or you're devoted to one and despise the other. So if that's the case, how can you love God and serve sin? It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It's really sad and it's really confusing. And there's that other problem because God isn't the author of confusion, yet the church is full of confusion. The author of confusion is the devil and he loves to get his hand into what's godly and ruin a good thing. And I think a lot of times when we're seeing these things happen with the church, it's really confusing to people who are newborn Christians, even older Christians who have been serving faithfully in the church. And you see a leader do that to you and you're like, what in the world is going on? And why would I want to stay in this church Either way. Yeah. And the crazy thing too, Christy, is there's not even like one specific demographic because I've seen it in the white church and I've seen it in the black church. It's across the board. That's how it's a body problem. This is not just a demographic problem, economic status problem. This is across the board. There have been all sorts of men of God and women of God who have been caught up, and of course more prevalently men because there's more men leaders, quite frankly, and they've just been caught up. And it causes so much hurt and pain. It causes so much pain because you have these people who are right up under them serving. We as consumers of the media and other fellow Christians who may not be members of their church, it hurts us because we all serve the same God. But the way it hurts your congregation, the way it hurts your other leaders is you can really derail someone's entire journey because of the actions of their leader. I've seen it. I've seen ministers literally stop growing and stop pursuing God because the person they believed who was leading the way, trailblazing, was actually a fraud. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Just going back to what I went through, I remember going up to the altar for prayer with an intercessor and then she saying something very derogatory about me. I thought that my prayer requests were private and confidential when I shared it with my prayer leader. Then I found out that my prayer leader was actually gossiping behind my back to all these other people. And then they pulled the wrong conclusion. And I was so shocked. Then I was like, I don't want anything to do with this anymore because if this is what they're doing with what I've entrusted them in front of the Lord, imagine what they will do if I'm more vulnerable. Imagine yeah. what, they, what, they, what they will do if I come to them with all my struggles. They're going to yeah. break me completely. Man, the things that we've witnessed 
I feel like all of our listeners, ladies, you can definitely come to our Instagram and leave some comments or write us on our Patreon and let us know because I feel like a lot of us have experienced this in some form or fashion. For me, I grew up in the same church my whole life and I saw leadership have an affair, have an affair with women in the church, multiple women. And I just remember it never being talked about. It was like, oh, we're stepping down. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna allow God to mend what's going on here. And then that was the end of it. There was no conversation. There was no healing. There was no accountability. It's like they stepped down and then they just, okay, that's my action. I'm stepping down. I'm removing myself. But there's no like confession. There's no working out the ought. There's no talking through for the health of the minds of these people who were served week after week because why they believed you were God's manservant and yet you fell into sin and you lived there, right? Mm -hmm. You didn't get back up right away. You were comfortable. And it just, it wreaked havoc on our church. We lost so many members. So many people were divided. So many people didn't know if they should stay, if they should go. And it was... I lost a lot of friends. I was young. So it's like we had a huge youth ministry and that dwindled because a lot of people left. They just felt like it was just wrong. And that hurt too, losing friends in the church, losing friends to scandal. And because I was connected to leadership, it was even hard. So that that was one instance where it was like, I saw how the scandal part can really just trickle down to even like the youth ministry. Wow. Because you don't think it's going to affect the youth, but it does because their parents leave. Their parents go to other churches and those bonds and those friendships get ripped apart. And that hurts. Yeah. And it hurts. How are you going to go about healing that hurt? Because it's like a family that's been ripped apart and God intended to be together. When people get divorced and there's so much pain and so much hurt and division, God intended it always to be a perfect union. And suddenly it's ripped apart. And then somebody's taking so-and-so's side. And then you become their, their enemies while you were their friends. It's a whole toxicity and mess that needs not be in the body of Christ. Yes. it, it, it Toxic is the word because the friendships... It's like everything turns to gossip. Everything turns to he said, she said. You can't have a conversation with someone without bringing up the scandal. And what that does is now the person that hurt everyone is now being hurt because everyone's talking about them and judging them and condemning them. And it's like this vicious cycle that happens. And I've witnessed it and it... Like I said, it mars people. It makes them tainted in a way. And some of the leaders that stayed, I just remember it was almost like, do you still believe in God? There was like a detachment where they stayed in the office, but their soul was no longer connected. And like you, Christy, I had an experience at the altar that was just like 
hurtful. Like you said, people that you're confiding in that who are supposed to pray with you, ministers who say things that are like, excuse me. I was praying and I was having a beautiful moment with the Lord. And I will never forget one of the prophets in our church. She was praying with me and as I'm praying and having this encounter with God, she whispers in my ear and she's, oh, you need to calm down. It doesn't take all of that. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Oh, wow. And I just remember it was like that toxicity just starting to seep in. And I had to push through that to really continue to seek God in that moment. Because I'm like, at the altar, really? This is the place where we're supposed to be seeking God where we're supposed to have an encounter with him. Come all of you who are heavy laden, who are burdened. That was me coming, laying my burdens down. And that's what I get met with. Judgment and derision. Why do church people seem to judge each other? While we, if we look at the biblical examples of how God intended the church, we ha I think it's really interesting now that we're known for judgment and we're known for defamatory statements about certain groups of people. We're known for just being pointing the finger and, and being like a Pharisee in a sense. Mm -hmm. And not for our love and for our kindness and for our hope that we impart on the world. I wonder what happened. Oh, yeah. The, what happened was we allowed the enemy to get a foothold and he has capitalized on that. He has used his prince of the air power to exploit us in the media, to really allow us to be presented and received as, like you said, judgmental, rude, condescending, whatever we are presented as. And that has become the identity of the church that we don't love people, we hate people. And one thing I had prayed for with a group of my sisters, it was actually my aunt who said this, that she wanted to start focusing less on hating what God hates and start focusing on loving what God loves. And I, it, it really caught me off guard because I'm like, wow, how much of my Christian life have I been taught to hate what God hates? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't do this. Don't do that. God doesn't like when you do this. God doesn't like when you do that. God doesn't like when you say this. God doesn't like when you say that. But I've never been taught to love what God loves. I've never been taught, okay, God loves this. And even though this person may look this way, God still loves them. God still desires a relationship with them. And as until the church pivots in that direction, we will always be seen as judgmental always. Good point. Because at the end of the day, I think it's really interesting that the two, they asked Jesus, what are the two greatest commandment in, in the Bible? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't go into hating other people. He didn't go into, because he said, judge ye lest ye be judged. So with the measuring state that we judge other people, we will be judged. Yes. We all have a lot of sins within us that we're still working out our salvation. Even Sasha and I are working it out. And for you to go accuse someone of something while you don't see the big beam in your eye, that's very hypocritical. 
Okay, period. Some of us got big old houses in our eyes, not even just a beam. <laughs> you got a whole mansion up in that iris. Like, I could see the whole landscape from over here. But no, you want to sit here and poke out and point out someone else's speck in their eye. And I, I just, Christy, it's so, it's so crazy to me how much judgment has corrupted God's people. And like you said, we're more like Pharisees than we are like Christ. When Christ confronts the Pharisees, it's all, the, when you really read the text, what they were saying to him, they did not mean to be judgmental. They did not mean to come off the way that they did. They were defending what they thought was right. And that is how the church is still functioning today. Instead of listening for the voice of God, Jesus said, I know what you're used to. I know what you thought you needed to do. I know what the law was, but I have come on a different term. And until we really accept that and start behaving that way, we are just as bad as they are. Yeah, we are because Jesus called them you brood of vipers. He called them vipers. And now it's vipers are synonymous with snakes and snakes are, are synonymous with the devil in, in, that, oh, in yeah. those terms. So he just called them just a group of demons. He called, might as well call them that. And we're doing, it's the same thing that we are attacking people and striking them with deadly poison with our tongues because our tongue either is a vehicle of death or a vehicle of life. And we're striking people where, with poison of evil of what we're speaking and how we're acting and killing people, innocent people that came to the church to, for help, came looking for Jesus, came looking for salvation and end up walking away completely shamed and blamed and broken. I'm going to find the scripture and I'll reference it a little later, but there is scripture and I believe it's in first Timothy or second Timothy regarding how a pastor how can he lead a church if he cannot manage his own home? And that to me is like one of those scriptures where it stings a little bit. But these men who have so many scandals and who are put on the front page of news articles, a lot of them are leading mega churches. Churches with thousands and thousands of members. And it's like, you're leading this mega church, but your tiny little house, you cannot keep in order. There's some disconnect there. Lately, there's been a lot of scandals with that. And I think it's really sad to see, even I think on a local level and on a global level, I've seen so many scandals with people with their children acting out or their wives acting out. And, and I'm like, and then they're defending them even, being like they're doing right, it's they're talented, they're this, they're that or it's their gifting, making excuses for their poor behavior. And I'm shocked because I'm like, that, this is in complete contrast to the scripture. And it's making people stumble. You're becoming a stumbling block for unbelievers and, and for believers alike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I found the scriptures. First Timothy chapter five, verse eight. And it goes into taking care of your household first. And I like how you brought up the local and the broader level, but the local level too, because 
This isn't just something we're reading on Instagram or a news article. These are both personal accounts we've also had. So it's also not even publicized as much as it happens because these local churches aren't going to get on the front page of the New York Times or on the, the front page of the Yahoo News or whatever, but it's happening daily. And another thing that I mean, what this all boils down to are people being out of order and not just out of order in religious standpoint, right? Not the Pharisees way of out of order where Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. I'm talking about out of order where you're not living how the word of God says to live. So I already referenced first Timothy, but what about when the Bible says, let the greatest among you be the biggest servant? The leader needs to serve. And what I've noticed that we've gotten away from in the church nowadays is there's this God complex with the leader. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a, a podcast, another Christian podcast, and they were they had a whole episode on this God complex that is within the churches with the pastors, where people unfortunately are putting too much faith and too much weight into the word of the pastor and not God. Because this man has literally taken a seat in your heart as God in the flesh. And that's not the order. That's not how God has called it to be. So I think a lot of what needs to happen as well is this reworking of, you know, the old guard and like the leaders who who are old and don't want to change their ways. People who have been in the same offices and they're bitter. They have no joy. They don't want to serve. They don't want to sacrifice. They just want to keep holding the title. Like all of that is perpetuating the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we got to get away from that. But the thing about it is like the God complex now is also with the younger generation who I think they've seen what's, what the older leaders did and then they've schlepped it into a new jacket, a new, more attractive hip jacket, and then <laughs> put designer on it and then being like, we're cool, we're hip, we're happening. A plaid jacket with a white tee. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and don't forget the, 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 the cross chain. Yes. And the designer sneakers. The designer sneakers. Or the Nike Dunks. Hey. <laughs> It's oh, in the ripped jeans. There's a whole attire now. If that's not what you're wearing on church Sunday, like on Sunday morning or as a worship leader, then you must not have the stylist of the church leaders because that's the go-to look right now. And it's this church hurt concept, right? The broken bride. The point of this conversation is to really shed light on the fact that Although there might be publicized things going on, us as saved women, right? Listeners, everyone who's present here, understanding that you're not alone. You might have gone through something and it wasn't publicized. You may have been hurt by your leader and it wasn't acknowledged. You may have been hurt by a leader within the church and it was swept under the rug. But guess what? That does not discount what happened. That does not discount how you were hurt. And it first starts by having this conversation. And then what do we do to heal? What do we do to change the trajectory of what's going on? What can we do to bring healing to this space? <clears throat> well, first off, for me, it took a while and it took different people from not the church, from the body of Christ, because we have to make a distinction. There's the body of Christ, which is all, which are all the 
Christian people in the world. And there's the church building and the church organization, which is more the religious organization that Christian people attend. I had to learn to make the distinction and not sweep everything out and being like, I don't, I'm done with everyone. Because what is broken in communion, in disunion, is healed in communion. So what is broken in disunion is healed back in communion. So it, it, took, Amen. it took people from God who, who approached me and talked to me and really understood my pain and prayed for me and really interceded to the father for me that brought my healing. It was not a, a 10 step program. I remember my therapist was wanted me to write a letter telling the church how they hurt me and stuff like that. I prayed about it and I thought, no, I, I don't think I need to slander the church at any point because that's not my thing. He was like, I want you to tell them what they did to you so they understand the pain that you they've caused. And that's a valid point. But for me, it was more speaking to different people who have experienced church hurt speaking to different people who have experienced that disappointment and seeing how God healed them. And for me, going back to the Father God and asking him to heal me from his pride who hurt me. That's so good. Separating, making the distinction, right? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and making sure that you realize where the root is, who's causing this and who's the solution. I think another part as well is undoing that God complex and realizing that at the end of the day, these are still men. And yes, they we all sin. We all fall short of the glory. So when they do it too, we can't be so surprised. Oh my God, clutch the pearls. The pastor has sinned. Yeah, last time I checked, he's a human being too. Last time I checked, he is not a God. Last time I checked, he is not Jesus. So... The fact that he sinned should not shock anyone. Yes, he should be held to a higher regard and a higher standard, but the mistake is still not unfathomable because he is still a human. So with that being said, I think a big portion of what we need to do in order to heal is to forgive these people and their mistakes and really pray for them. Because clearly they're hurting, they're broken, they're going through things, they are struggling with demons, spirits, brokenness, a rejection. They're struggling with who knows what, addiction, and instead of throwing stones at them, right? Jesus said to the crowd, you know, you without sin cast the first stone. We can't. None of us can pick up a stone. None of us. So it's like, you know what, if I need to leave this church in order to heal, then I need to do that. If I need to make sure that I'm not attending a church just because my mother said so or my father said so, that I'm not just a member somewhere because that's just been where I've been a member since I was a kid. Make sure that you're not growing numb because you won't move. Because I won't leave the church, I have to become numb. I can't be a part of the solution. I'm going to join the problem. We don't want to do that. Seek God about what you need to do in order to grow, because the more you grow in Christ, the more you will be a part of the solution. The more people will be able to encounter Christ through you. You will be the city set on a hill. You will be the light that cannot be hidden. You will be the one that God can use as a vessel. But if we're all, if we're all in these churches where the leaders are corrupt and 
everybody's just stuck and nobody's healed, then we're putting ourselves into the problem. Yeah, I agree. One thing that really stood out to me was that scripture says vengeance is mine, says the Lord, because I definitely wanted to hurt them back because the way that they hurt me, I wanted to strike back. And I know there's plenty of sisters and brothers out there who have gone through different things and who in one way or another want to slander the church or speak negatively about different things that happened to I'm not saying don't speak about what happened to you. Please do speak with someone who you can trust, will uplift you, will hold space for you and pray for you so that you get healing. But speaking about it just to speak about it or just speaking about it to slander the body of Christ, you're, you have to know that's God's body. This is Jesus's body. This is his bride. And when we are fighting amongst ourselves, we are doing exactly what the devil wants us to be doing. So we have to be careful. Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm -hmm. And the, the enemy knows that. So the best way to cause the collapse of the church and the stunting of the church is to divide it. Yeah. To keep it from growing, from communicating, from healing. Keep it in this broken, disjointed place, the broken bride. Because just like a, a real bride, just like a wife on her wedding day, if she's broken, how is she going to get to the altar? How is she going to submit? How is she going to say yes? And I do and make that vow and that covenant, right? If we're to get to the place where Christ sees us and wants us to be as the hospital, as the place that helps souls reconcile with him, if we're going to get there, we have to be in a unified body. Yes, unity is the precursor to just the love that God wants to bring back to the world. That's what, what's really important. I think a lot of times we underestimate unity because God actually confused the people at the, the Tower of Babel because they were so united in doing evil. Imagine what we could accomplish if we united for good and for the love of people and for the healing of people, this world would be a completely different place. Church would be amazing. You talking good, Christy. I forgot who I was listening to. I was actually listening to one of my friends. He was talking about the, the Tower of Babel, and he said that the only thing that is powerful enough to stop unity is God. And I thought that was so profound because they were going to reach heaven. They were on track to do what they put their mind to do. Why? Because of unity. And the only thing that could stop them was the power of God. So if we are for God, how much can we get done with unity? So much. And we have the Holy Spirit within us, which is God's spirit. So we will change the world seismically. And we need leaders and we need people in the church and we need new, a fresh breath of and a changing of the guard of people who are humble, who seek God before anything else, who, who seek to serve instead of seeking the limelight. That is something that is really what I'm hungering to see in the church. But the thing about it is like, we can be part of the solution instead of being part of the problem. A lot of us, God has called us to rise up and take our places in the church and the church body, but a lot of us are scared being, oh no, I'm too this, I'm too that, or it's too much commitment, or I can't do this anymore, or, I can't do that anymore. And I'm including myself because as such, I 
I felt called to do different things within the Save Girl ministry, but I wanted to stay in the background. And I definitely was like, ah, I'm good. I don't need <laughs> limelight or anything like that. That's totally fine. You can get all the credit that you want. I'll, I'll do everything in your name. Amen. And then Saj and God were like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's a place for you. God has prepared a place for you at the table in the presence of your enemies. That word is not just for a select few. That's for all who are chosen. Those are That's for his children. And you are in the number. If you are listening, you are in the number, right? So do not discount your position in the solution. Yes. If you're seeing something, that means God has put a burden on your heart to fix that in a, in a certain way. We're not saying that you can go heal the world on your own because we need numbers for that. But mm-hmm. what you can do is start interceding for your leaders. Start seeing where you can rise up and, and lead people or just support your leaders in a different way. But if you're just complaining about it, that's you being part of the problem, not the solution. Amen. I agree a thousand percent. And I think, Christy, that the best way to push the solution forward is by the power and the weapon of prayer to destroy this stronghold of just toxic behavior and stuck leadership and uh, a church and a body that is broken. And I think you would be a wonderful voice to pray over this today. Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for everyone listening today. Thank you so much on for the people who are under the sound of my voice that have been listening, Lord Jesus, and opening their hearts to your word and to what you want to communicate to them today. Help us today to rise up, Lord Jesus, and take our mantle of leadership and servanthood because leadership is servanthood. And you said that the the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So I ask you in Jesus' name to help us not to be um, reticent or just wanting to stay back or not wanting to sacrifice what you've asked us to sacrifice, but that we will sacrifice our Isaac, so Lord Jesus, so that we can receive the promise that you've given us, Lord Jesus, and the power of anointing that you have for us. I pray for our church leaders the leaders in the body who have physical leadership roles within the church organization. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you bring conviction and a holy fear upon them, Lord Jesus, that they would go back to humility and they would go back to servanthood and they would go back to vulnerability in leading the flock, Lord Jesus, towards your heart and not astray. So I pray that you work in a mighty way in their hearts. And I pray that you work in our hearts, Lord Jesus, as we support them, as we pray for them, as we commit to them, Lord Jesus, to help them, Lord Jesus, just like Chatro and Joshua, Jesus, to Moses, Lord Jesus, that we would hold up our leader's hand, Lord Jesus, when they get tired, encourage them and cover them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure you stay connected. Follow Christy at her underscore promised land and Saj at Save Girl Brand on Instagram. 
If you want to hear more unfiltered conversations, head over to patreon.com slash savegirlbrand for devotionals, uncut footage, and more exclusive content. And remember, we got you. No woman left behind.